there are some people they want to lead because of the rewards of leading, and then there are some people they want to lead because of the responsibility of, of leading. It's very disappointing yeah. if you do it just for the perks, because what you discover is that the perks of leadership do not outweigh the price of leadership. No. The flip side of that is, um, if you lead well, you just help a lot of people. So, you know, I, I say, if you really want to make a difference in a lot of people's lives, you have to get in the leadership game. Beyond You is the podcast at Oklahoma Wesleyan University to talk about faithful scholars, to talk about how we process learning, how we engage culture, theology, faith, and so delighted to be able to join you today and uh, just talk about some things that have been happening recently at the university and grateful to be here with our university pastor, Reverend Tori Martin. It's good to be here with you today, Jim, as Thank well. You. Today's conversation is special. We invited John Maxwell to join us mm -hmm. for a conversation about leadership. And I know you sat down with him. Yeah. We want to turn it over to the conversation that you had with Dr. Maxwell. Hey everybody, I am with Dr. John C. Maxwell today, a friend of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, a family friend to me. Our fathers were good colleagues in ministry and such a delight to have John on our campus today. John, welcome to Oklahoma Wesleyan. You've been here before. I have. Glad to have you back. Glad um, to be back with you. I'm so excited about your leadership here at Oklahoma. And uh, so, God is helping us and yeah. we appreciate your support and helping us to make all kinds of connections while you're here. That's fun. That's what you're good at. That's and, what I do. Um, I'm curious, just off the top here, just to talk about your dad for a minute. And something that you learned from him, maybe that nobody else really taught you, or he was the first one to teach you some kind of leadership lesson or a life lesson. Well, my father was my lifetime mentor. You and I both had great dads. Mm -hmm. And uh, the word probably that I would use most to describe my dad was encouragement. Mm -hmm. He just loved people, believed in people. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I graduated from college, the advice he gave me was, John, value people, believe in people, and unconditionally love them. Wow. And if he said, if you'll do those three things every day, you will draw people to your ministry. You'll draw people to the vision that you have. Yeah. And I've used, that would that have been a bit clear back in 1969. I have used those three words of my dad to kind of be my uh, mantra and, and kind of my grid for what I do. And so when I write a book, I'm valuing people, believing in people, unconditionally love them while I write words on pages. When I speak to them, I'm doing the same thing. When I'm holding a meeting. It, and, and I just have found that those three words and three phrases have just helped me tremendously. But he was a, he was a great man. Yeah. He, he, he lived the life. And he just encouraged people. People loved to be around my dad mm -hmm. because he knew that 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 uh, to encourage him. In fact, I asked him one time. I said, "Dad, uh, how do you know people need to be encouraged?" Huh. And his answer to me was, "Son, if they're breathing, huh. they need to be encouraged." He yeah. said. Now he says, if "They're not breathing. Don't encourage them. Don't encourage them." But, <laughs> but he said, "Everybody needs to be encouraged." And he lived that life, and uh, I watched it, and I kind of hope to get a little bit of that of, of him and me in that area too but yeah he just was a, a great man as you know absolutely he encouraged me as oh, a little yeah. boy and running around church meetings and yeah. uh, 
I've told you recently that he used to say, you know, someday you're going to be great. He knew right then I was rotten, but he said someday, <laughs> someday you're going to be great. Yeah, and, uh, that's true. Of all everybody of us. needs that. Everybody. Yeah, sure and you're be. a great encourager too. So thank yeah, you thank for you. keeping that, picking that up, and yeah. running with it. Um, one of the things that I've observed in leadership is that it's hard. It's just hard. You got a target on your back. You're in the spotlight. And it's nothing that you should dwell on as a leader, but it just gets difficult sometimes. You're making decisions that somebody's not going to like, and you've got to look at the good of the whole and take a look at what's best for sure. the whole ministry or organization that you're leading. Um, kind of makes people not want to be a leader some yeah. days. Yeah. So in that kind of frame, talking about leadership and uh, you know, some of the teachings that you have about learning from failure, what would you say to somebody today if they asked you, should I, should I lead this? Should I, should I step out? Should I risk it? And uh, what do I need to be aware of? Well, uh, I'm so glad you brought the subject up, Jim. I, I had a mentor when I was very young give me great advice. He said, there are not two good consecutive days in the leader's life. <laughs> that's so true. And, and of course, I'm young, and I kind of thought, ooh, that's a little depressing, but I found it to be so true. And, and what he meant by that is the fact that when you lead, there's some loneliness to it. And, and, and when you lead, um, there's a target on your back, as you said a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and, and leading, it's hard to lead myself, first of all. I've got to lead me, right? And so I've got to lead me, and then I've got to lead you. And when I, when I say that everything worthwhile is uphill for a leader, it, it's, it's, it's more uphill. Because you're not only going up the hill, you have to bring people with you. Right. So now it's it's a longer journey. It's a it's a more strenuous journey. Mm -hmm. So when people say they want to be a leader, I always ask them why. And uh, and there are two camps. Uh, some people say, "Well, I want to be a leader because I like to be in control. Or, yeah. I, I want to have hey, I want a parking place. I want <laughs> I, I want a corner office. Right. I want a title." I, we know that's not going to work. We know that isn't going to work. But then you know. So it's, there are some people that want to lead because of the rewards of leading, and then there are some people that want to lead because of the responsibility of, of leading. They, they want to take on a responsibility to make a difference in people's lives because that's what leaders do. Mm -hmm. Leader is only rewarding if you do it for the right reason. Mm -hmm. It's very disappointing yeah. if you do it just for the perks because what you discover is that the perks of leadership do not outweigh the price of leadership. No. So that that parking place, that yeah. corner office, those are just really nice. But there was a whole bunch of days you'd say, you can park your car where I park my car and let you go make the decisions That's I've right. got to make today. That's right. So I think le leadership is so needed. There's a lack of a lot of good leaders uh, because the price is uh, uh, pretty high. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that is, um, if you lead well, you just help a lot of people. Right. You know, I, I say, if you really want to make a difference in a lot of people's lives, you have to get in the leadership game. Mm -hmm. You just have to. Yeah. That's the only way that you make it. And so um, I do it because I, I really want to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And mm -hmm. But there's a price to pay for it. And I, I think once you accept that price as a leader, you lead better because you, you know, you, you, you one of the things I don't like about leaders when they have to pay the price is when they moan and they groan. Yeah. 
And, and I tell leaders all the time, you can't moan and groan and lead at the same time. No. Because, I mean, who wants to follow, who wants to follow Maxwell if he's going to moan and groan? Well, I can hardly wait for John to moan and groan again today. No, people need to be lifted and inspired. Yeah. So it, the leader has to be able to rise above those disappointments and, and yeah. difficulties and, and lead with integrity, always for the purpose of adding value to the people that he or she serves. It's really good. So important to yeah. take a look at uh, what you can do for somebody else. And totally. If it's for you, it's probably going to run out. It's probably going to dry up. And uh, One of the things I like a lot about your leadership, Jim, and I'm so glad you're here at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, yeah. is you have a lot of your father in you too. Yeah. And you lead with your heart. You, you care for people. I tell, I tell leaders all the time, when you stop loving your people, you better stop leading your people. Yeah. Because that's the moment you'll begin to manipulate them and take advantage of yeah. them. And I've always loved your leadership style. It's a style of, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to add value to you. I believe in you. Uh, it's, been a, it's been servant, yeah, good servant leadership. And I think that that's one of the things that you're doing so well is, is because of that. I think that your leadership now is beginning to um, become part of the culture mm-hmm. of, of, you know, of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. And that's kind of, that's very exciting. That's, that's why I think you're now really gaining some momentum. And so that's why I'm glad to be with you today to kind of serve you and help you. Well, it's great, and we've had good role models and dads. Sure, we've been a role model to me as well. Yeah. And thank you. Uh, you've written eighty-eight books. Yeah, I don't know what that means. But it means I'm old. That means you've written a lot of books. <laughs> and, you got to uh, be old to write that many books. Yeah, and some people don't know you've sold thirty-four million of those and counting. And yeah, just yeah. releasing another book in a couple of weeks on communication. Yes. What's What's one thing? Right now, you look at culture, you look at the world, you look at anything that's going on in hot topics and culture, whatever. What's one thing that you're processing right now? Just learning, thinking about? Well, I'm kind of leadership sad. I I feel Mm -hmm. that in the last few years, we haven't been led well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I feel that leaders have have put themselves before the people. Mm -hmm. And done what is best for them, not maybe not what is best for the people. I, I, I'm not really sure we have a people's leader. Mm-hmm. I think we have a party leader. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, George Washington, they wanted him to start political parties in the beginning of our nation. And he said, no. He said, if, if you have parties, it will not be long until the the people in the party will put the party before the people. And I, and I, I, think, I think a lot of that has happened. So I'm kind of... I'm a little bit leadership leadership sad of, uh, about that. You know, the flip side of it is it gives us a great opportunity to right. do right. Right. Because in, in darkness, you know, light really kind of stands out and does better. And I think that we need to, we've lost our way with values. Mm. And I think we need to just kind of go back to the doing the right things, the golden rule, treat others as we would like to be treated ourselves. Right. We have a incredible amount of divisiveness now, a lot of anger. Right. Uh, and, you know, democracy doesn't work when it's divided. Democracy, the beauty of democracy is people of different viewpoints coming together and reasoning together and making right decisions for the people. Right. But, but, when, but, but it, when we don't come together, which is what devices, divisiveness causes, we don't get the best out of, out of each other. 
I have a lot of books to, to write, but I, I'm starting in the last two weeks. In fact, this is the first time I've ever publicly announced it, but uh, in the last two weeks, I've started leaning toward writing a book that I probably would call uh, High Road Leadership mm. with a subtitle of, of doing the right things when people are so divided. Yeah, And I, I just think that we need a picture mm -hmm. of what does a high road leader look like. My dad used to, to say, John, travel the high road, there's less traffic there. That's good. <laughs> no traffic jams on the high road. <laughs> so I think that's pretty good. No, that's really good. You know, we're on a university campus taping this today, and there's some 18 to 22-year-olds that are going to be enjoying some of your lectures and, sure. and messages today. We're looking forward to it. And uh, could you reflect back to 18? And uh, <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, it's not that far. <laughs> not that far. What, what would you say to an 18-year-old John Maxwell today? Well, I, when I was young... I was so full of passion and vision. I, I was a kid that really wanted to make a difference mm. and had a lot of, um, of, of energy. And uh, when I was young, I, I don't think I valued the experience of older, successful people. Mm. I, I didn't devalue it. Yeah. To be honest with you, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. it. It wasn't in my thoughts. So I'm just eager to go out and work and try it and, 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 and roll up my sleeves. I, I wish that when I was in that age bracket, um, I, I wish I would have asked advice from people that were already doing it well. Mm. I think I could have learned. In fact, I don't think I know I could have learned a lot quicker. I think I could have applied those uh, good principles a little quicker to my life. I, I think I was fast out of the box because of my energy, but I think I was slowed down because I didn't value the wisdom and the experience that older people could have poured into me if, if I would ask, uh -huh. and I didn't ask. Yep. And if you don't ask, you don't, you don't get answers to questions you fail to ask. So yeah. I, wish I, could, I wish I could have had a little bit more appreciation for experience. Because uh -huh. now on this side, uh -huh. I see how essential good experience is and how essential it is to pass that on to the next generation. Yeah. And you're doing that and we appreciate doing my it. best. It's something that, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, notion once in a while that people have in leadership to think that everything just happened because they arrived and, <laughs> and we forget that others have worked very hard. Oh, sure. Gone through tougher times totally. and we're standing on their shoulders. Totally. And, Always. Uh, I know in my friendship with you and my acquaintance with you, I'm standing on your shoulders and you've taught the world about leadership. There isn't anybody better. And you've taught me about it as well. And you've lived it. Uh, so you know what that means, Jim. I expect big things out of you. All right. You're on my shoulders. You're gonna, you have to go beyond me. And I think that one of the things that great mentors, one of the real true characteristics of great mentors is they really do want the people they mentor to go beyond them, yep. to stand on their shoulders. I, I, I hope that I started something, but I never hope that I completed something. Yeah. I want it to go bigger and I want it to go further. I want it to be better yeah. than what I did. So I'm expecting big things of you here on this right. campus, my friend. I, I expect you to take this campus to a higher level. Than it's, in fact, I, I, I know this will happen. 
in the years ahead because of the vision you have for Oklahoma Wesleyan University and for your leadership giftedness, the best days for this university are the days ahead. And that makes me feel good because I know you and I've mentored you. Well, thank you. We're praying that way and dependent on God face down every day, sure. asking him to lead us and send us what we need. And, sure. and I pray another prayer that others join us in, and that is that God would do his supernatural work totally. in us and through us. All, for all of us. Every we, day. We all need it. That's right. I want to live in miracle territory. That, that God touches the touch that we need. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. Delighted. And uh, thanks for being a friend to the university and a friend Delighted. to me. Delighted. I appreciate you and love you. Love you too. Well, what an insightful conversation, a really helpful conversation for leaders of all kinds. You know, you listen into just the wisdom that John Maxwell has. So much there. Oh my goodness. So yeah. many. I find that every time I listen to him, it's just scrambling to take notes, yep. just so many little nuggets to take away. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that struck me about the conversation that you both shared was this idea of valuing people, believing mm -hmm. in people, and unconditionally loving people. And that being just the transformational element of leadership that oftentimes is missed. Yeah. Can you give an example, Jim, in your own life and your own leadership of someone that did that really well, that you saw mm -hmm. in real time, firsthand, Value people, believe in people, and love people unconditionally. Yeah, there's so many examples of that. John would be one of them, actually, yeah. in my life. And our dads were friends, and he was here on campus uh, to be the uh, keynote speaker for the Dunn Institute, and we utilized him. And I think he spoke seven times in oh, 24 wow. hours. <laughs> yeah. and Looked a little tired when I took him to the airport. <laughs> and uh, But he was really glad to be here and encouraged to be here and spoke some encouraging words to me while he was here. It was great. Um Probably, you know, the most important or, or significant encourager in my life um, was my dad. And my mother would be in that conversation as well. But they just kept asking, you know, to, for me to stretch. They kept asking me to, um, you know, believe in myself and encouraging me. And even when there were disappointments that would come to my life, they would say, it's not that big a deal. I, I remember one very significant stage in ministry leadership where um, from a denominational desk, and we did the year of the Bible, and I'll try to keep it short, but there were literally over 60,000 people that participated in wow. reading through the Bible in one year. And it was all part of a youth movement thing. And, and I got a couple of letters from pastors because the Bible that we distributed was the New Living Translation. And so I actually got three letters I can remember very specifically. And one of them said I would spend eternity in hell. Over a translation. Over a translation. Oh my because goodness. I didn't use the King James Version that Jesus used, which <laughs> I had you? to bite my tongue. But anyway, <laughs> I don't think Jesus used the King James. But regardless. He used the message, right? He was, uh, yeah, no. The New Living Translation, not yeah. even a paraphrase. And um, got three letters and called my dad and I said, I don't even know what to do with this. And he said, so how many, how many people did this? 60,000. And how many objected to the translation you used and pronounced your eternal destiny? And they said three. He said, huh, 60,000 to three. That's a pretty good score. And then he hung up the phone. <laughs> and so that's how he would encourage me. It wasn't any kind of, yeah. you know, mushy, whatever. And so Having people around you that can talk you out of a tree, that can really encourage you and, and value you. John illustrated that so well. It doesn't mean you're going to agree. Right. right. Right? I mean, you probably have had people in your life that 
encourage you that you probably don't agree with on many, everything. Yeah, many. So do you have any examples like that? Oh, man, I, I can think of countless times, and it's likely situations I've even gotten my own self into, mm -hmm. uh, people that, uh, you know, they're great sources of encouragement. I can think of people in previous workplaces that have just been great sources of encouragement that I wouldn't be where I am today without them. Yeah. Um, do I agree on everything? Absolutely not. Right. Um, but that's the beauty, I think, of the body of Christ is that we can still be a source of encouragement without being a source of, you know, having to agree all the time and walking in kind of like a, a cookie cutter mold, yeah. if you will. I've um, often said you keep the gold of what yeah. somebody gives you and you throw away the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Got to have wisdom to know what's the difference between those two right. things. John mentioned something, and, and when I heard it, I I don't know, I kind of tensed up a little bit because I think it's true, and mm. it's hard to uh, come to the reality that leadership is uphill. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's a climb, yeah. and and I think even you know mentioning that there's no two consecutive good days of leadership. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a a really. Um, realistic take and refreshing in kind of a backwards way. Yeah. Um, you know, leadership being uphill, oftentimes we, we think that it's not that case, but mm -hmm. it is. And I wonder from your own life, like where have you sensed just the trudge of leadership being yeah. up, uphill, maybe even in your role now? Well, you don't talk about it a whole lot. Leaders yeah. don't talk about it. Um, nobody wants to really hear you whine about it right. a whole right. lot. And it's not that you're whining, but the reality is that anything worth accomplishing is going to take a lot of work no doubt. and there's some things that you have to deconstruct and then reconstruct and you know tear down and rebuild there's some things that you know you just have to recover from and so it's hard it's hard dealing with people people have opinions people uh, put you in a glass world it's not just a glass house right. <laughs> there's glass on every wall of your life if you're a leader there's a target on your back people will talk about that um, things that you say, you know, you didn't say that right, or you didn't, you said this and that meant this and all this interpretation goes right. on and it's difficult to keep people unified and focused and it is uphill. Um, sometimes it's steeper than the other, you know, John would use the, you know, it might be uphill this way and then it's other times it's uphill right. that way. And, um, it's just knowing what you're called yeah. to be and to do and what your purpose is and looking at whatever ministry or organization you're leading and believing in the best and believing in better days yeah. tomorrow and believing that God's using you is what has to keep you motivated. Yeah. But I can tell you right now, everybody needs to be encouraged as a leader. Everybody needs to be prayed for as a leader. And um, when you do go through things that are hard, um, do you go all the way back down to the bottom of that hill? I hope not. I hope you've gotten to some place of growth and maturity that you can, maybe you'll slide down a little bit, but maybe you could start there and then improve on that and go even further. It's like the base camp. Like you yeah. see the documentaries of people climbing Everest. Uh, right. You have the base camp, you climb up, and then sometimes you actually have to go back down to right. reacclimate yourself a little bit. Yeah. You know, you talk about purpose and, and as a leader, knowing your purpose is probably what gets you through most of the mm -hmm. hard days. John offered such great wisdom and, and just saying that, I mean, the, the perks of leadership don't always outweigh the price of leadership. And, yeah. and sometimes I think we get into leadership because we think that the perks, I, I know yeah. you joke about like the parking spot oh, that yeah. you get here on campus. Love having that parking spot, yeah. <laughs> especially when I'm late. Oh, for sure. Or yeah. when it's cold outside or it's, you know, 115 in the so, summer. Uh, yeah. 
But, you know, I, I think so often there's this misconception of leadership that we, we get in, we get in it for the perks and oftentimes it comes with great cost and yeah. great price. Yeah. 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 I, re I remember the feeling and some people might not understand this, but I remember actually the parking space and pulling in uh, June the 1st on uh, 2019 and I parked in this space that said um, reserved for the president. <laughs> And I sat in my car and I said, man, that sounds pretty good. And then I got out of my car and I looked around and said, what have I done? What have I accepted? <laughs> Do you um, want to hand the keys over to someone else? That's right. That's like, right. <laughs> Change the name on the sign. I, I, I don't think the perks really last that long. And, and if you're in it for that, then you're going to be severely disappointed. For sure. For sure. And so... You know, he, he talked a little bit about uh, someone coming to him recently, a younger person, and they said, um, I want to I do what you do. Mm. And then he said, well, you're not willing to do the did that I did. Yeah. And played with that a little bit. You know, you got to do the did in order to do the do. And if you don't do the did, then you're going to be in do-do. And right. in other words, are you going to pay the price? Sure. Are you going to prepare? Are you going to go through the hard times? Are you going to recover? Are you going to get back up? I actually talked to him a little bit about leadership being so hard and most people don't want to do it. Yeah. And so you're leading now. What kinds of things do you face that you're doing the did, yeah. um, but it's not always enjoyable, right. I'm sure. Right. Why are you doing the did? Yeah. I mean, I think the temptation in my own leadership is to view it as like a microwave. You put it in the microwave for about 30 seconds yeah. and it should be good to go. Leadership sometimes is more of a crock pot. Like yeah. you got to let that thing go on low and slow for about eight hours um, <laughs> in order for it to be tender and right and good. And, and I think sometimes the temptation for me is to, to be quick, to yeah. either make change, make decisions. And I, I've got to almost combat that in myself, mm -hmm. not because making decisions quick is bad. That's not it. Cause in some instances you have to, um, sure. but I think, I think there's so much wisdom and, understanding that leadership is a process. It's mm -hmm. not so much a destination that you arrive mm -hmm. to. And as a leader, if you're not constantly growing and developing your own craft and your own self, right. then who and what are you leading? Um, and if you're not leading yourself, I mean, that's really where leadership begins, right? It How is. can we lead others if we're not even leading ourselves? It is. But I think there's a lot to be said about uh, the leadership of others, the belief in others, the giving others opportunity to to be a multiplier instead yeah. of just adding responsibilities, but actually multiplying the capacity of the yeah. people around you is the true test of leadership, right? Yeah. So you do have to lead yourself, but a lot of leaders don't get into believing in somebody else and wishing them well and setting them up for even a better successful tomorrow than you had today or yesterday. Right. And so constantly taking a look at um, you know, bearing the burden, if you're the one that's leading an organization, that it's uphill. Somebody has to believe for wherever we're headed. Right. And somebody has to set that course and somebody has to keep that in front of people yeah. and believe in it or get out, right. really. Right. Um, but also believing in others that they can be developed and become leaders as well. It's not just for you. Right. And I think a lot of leaders fail in this area, frankly, um, where they need to see the equipping and multiplying of others as part of their priority. Yeah. One of the last things that you and John talked about in this conversation was the high road of leadership. And yeah. that's often the road less traveled. Yeah. Um, 
you know, doing the right things, especially in a society and a culture where everyone's so divided. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's such a gap between the high road and the road that everybody else travels. And I know we're seeing it in higher ed. We're seeing it politically speaking in our culture. We're seeing it in the media. We're seeing it all over. The high road is is truly the road that's less traveled. Why is it so difficult to take the high road in leadership in such a divisive culture, divisive day and age? Yeah. Well, I think if, you know, we're talking about going uphill, climbing a mountain, whatever the image is, I think um, there is the summit that you have to keep your eyes on. And yet there's so many things that want to tell you to look back down and be distracted and get off course and, hey, you should be paying attention to this instead of that. And you should take care of yourself and not, you know, worry about any of them. And I've been in all kinds of conversations with leaders about how, um, like Nehemiah, I think even John used this example. I'm up here building the wall. I don't have time to come down. Right. Right. So whatever that is, um, what are you coming down for? And is that something that's going to last for eternity? Is that something that's going to help the organization be better? Um, sometimes you do have to go back down once in a while, but, Most of that is just kind of getting your focus off the main thing. My father taught me that life is a three ring circus. That's what he said, (laughs) even as a little boy. And I would listen to him and he went to the circus. I really never went to the circus. I don't know. I don't know how he did that as a pastor's kid in a pilgrim holiness church. But anyway, he went to the circus and he said, you know, the center ring was where all the main action was. Right. But the side shows they would bring in in the other circus rings when they were changing out the main ring and they wanted you to be distracted. So they didn't see you cleaning up what the elephants left behind or moving all the apparatus around and the trapeze and all of that stuff. So they'd have these clowns over in the side ring. There's a lot of clowns in life right now, not necessarily people, but issues and topics and opinions that get you distracted and you should focus on the center ring. Yeah. One of the culture values, uh, or not really culture values, but personal values I've tried to instill in my own life and leadership, um, even here at Oklahoma Wesleyan, is that we're going we're gonna to major on the majors and we'll minor on the minors. But the moment that we major on a minor or vice versa, we've got it backwards. And so as we think about executing our leadership and, and growing and developing others to do the same, We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Um, And the moment that we get off of that, um, especially as Christ followers, the moment that we deviate from the teachings of Christ and his leadership and the example that he sets for us, I mean, that's the moment that we get sideways. um, And it creates all kinds of chaos that could have been avoidable in so many ways. There's an old mantra that I'll try to get it right, that that you should be united in essential things. Mm. You should have liberty and non-essential things and you should be charitable in everything. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. You know, John's conversation with you in in this podcast episode, it was so good. So many nuggets of wisdom. Um, And like we shared, John actually did about seven sessions with our Oku family. So lots of wisdom. want to make sure our viewers or our listeners know um, that there's another session that they can actually catch online on our mm-hmm. YouTube page. We have our chapel uh, recordings there. John spoke on March 22nd. And so if they go back into our chapel playlist, they'll be able to listen to that conversation as well. I know so many students that walked out of that chapel with just pages of notes mm-hmm. that they were taking. And to be honest, I don't know that they've ever taken notes that way in chapel, um, <laughs> but grateful for his wisdom and his um, just willingness to share with our Oakwood family. 
would encourage people to continue listening to what he had to share. It was good stuff. It was really good. And he was so gracious. And in between every session, as we were going from place to place and meeting with pastors at the Dunn Institute, as well as community leaders, as well as a big fundraiser uh, on one of the nights he was here, he would, he would literally look at me and he'd say, am I adding value to what you're doing here at the school? And so he wasn't just teaching about valuing others. He was asking about how can he add value while he's here? And uh, we're grateful for his time and, and the gift of his presence at our university. A true value add for, for all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the other thing that was really valuable that John did for us was uh, just to give us a little bit of a plug on the NOW campaign, university's capital campaign for uh, raising $68 million by 2030. $68 million. 68 Where did we get million. that number? $68 million is from Isaiah 6, 8, chapter 6, verse 8, where God is looking to who's going to represent him in all of Israel. And Isaiah steps up and says, here, my send me. We give pennies to our graduates. They say, be one cent. And the penny says one cent. We want them to be one cent. Spelled and they a little leave differently. <laughs> it is spelled a little differently, thanks to an English major for yeah. pointing that out. But regardless. I'm not the English major, by the way. <clears> me neither. <laughs> but we want them to be one cent. Yeah. And to make a difference for Christ and yeah. go out and fix this world for him. Yeah. And so very grateful for John investing in Oklahoma Wesleyan in yeah. every way that he did. And grateful for our community partners here in Bartlesville. Yeah. We live in such a generous community. And I know the fundraiser dinner that we had for the NOW campaign that John was the keynote for, uh, so many folks from our community, different mm -hmm. organizations came out. And what we do, we couldn't do without them. And so we're grateful for their partnership here in, in Bartlesville. It was it was a great week for us yeah. and, and so grateful again for John's generosity to yeah. be here on his time and um, grateful for the endowers of the Dunn Institute and Wesleyan Investment Foundation for helping us to be able to pull all that together. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking time today to join in on this conversation. Uh, we so look forward to these conversations that we get to have together, mm -hmm. but we also get to have with you. And, you know, one of the things that would help us as we look ahead for Beyond You is knowing some of the things that you might be interested in hearing more about, uh, different topics of society, of faith, of higher ed, It'd be helpful for us if you would leave a comment. Uh, either drop that here where you're consuming your podcast or, um, you know, as we encouraged you earlier to catch more of Dr. Maxwell um, and his session in our chapel online, you could leave a comment there. It would help us out to know what are some things that we should talk about? What are some things that would be of interest to you? But we're grateful for your partnership in this journey of Beyond. You.